Let's turn again to Acts 2 and uh, verse 38. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So that this divine promise, then, it, it follows the divine command. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Then to those who obey the command, by repenting and being baptized, God makes this astonishing promise of the forgiveness of all their sins. And that is, of course, the supreme demonstration of the power that there is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to die to clear all the guilt of his people's sins, to make atonement for them. And uh, at Pentecost, when Peter's preaching was over, 3,000 men were convicted of their sin. And hurried to Peter and to the people of God and asked, well, what, what, what do we do now? We, we've crucified the Son of God. What are we to do? And they were told to repent of their sins and, and be baptized into the communion of the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. It's an almost unbelievable reality, the forgiveness of God. Jerusalem sinners had crucified the loveliest and the best of men. He was God the Son. They even mocked him in his excruciating torment. But if those sinners, they were told, if they turned from their sins in Jesus' name, God would take all that guilt and would throw it into the depths of the deepest sea. He would remove it from them as far as the east is from the west. He would remember all their sins against him no more. Are you grasping this now? Uh, do you think that these words of forgiveness are something so parse, uh, simply religious platitudes? Or that this is something which is enormously helpful and comforting, a breathlessly glorious reality. Forgiveness is man's greatest need. Without forgiveness, we are doomed to spend eternity in hell. But through God's forgiveness, we are offered eternity in a new heavens and a new earth with Jesus Christ. Even those who mocked Jesus Christ in his dying agony, if they repented, if they believed, those sins would be wiped out. Every one of them. Well, now, how is it with everybody here this morning? If you know that you've not yet been forgiven by God and recognize that you dare not come unforgiven to God, then you must cry to him that he will give you a repentant spirit. You must trust in Jesus Christ without delay. Now, now is the appointed time. Now, now is the day of salvation. The only time you can guarantee is, is now. You can't guarantee tomorrow. Jerusalem sinners needed great forgiveness. And God set this before them then. 
And uh, this is what we're going to look at this morning. Firstly, what is forgiveness? Well, you might think that this is an unnecessary question. You think everybody knows what forgiveness is. When someone has wronged you, then you expect them to come to you and say, I'm sorry, to apologize, and then you say to them, that's okay. And that, you think that's forgiveness. And we go to God and we say to God, oh, I'm sorry I did this, and God says, that's okay. That's not forgiveness. That's an action masquerading as forgiveness. Now that might make you mildly surprised. You thought that forgiveness was a concept unlike other religious concepts which men debate or divide over or fight over like the gifts of the Spirit or predestination or like the millennium. Convictions that Christians argue with one another about. You thought every Christian knows what forgiveness is. You're thinking I should have carried on and not slow down in this verse in Acts 2. And uh, glue your attention this morning to the six words, for the forgiveness of your sins. Because you know, you all know what that means. Everyone in the congregation knows what it means, and so I'm simply dragging it out, almost to breaking point. I'm afraid you are mistaken. This business about apologizing. Let me ask you a question. How often does the word apology or apologize occur in the Bible? And the answer is not once. Not once in the authorized version, and not once in the NIV. Biblical writers never equate apologizing with forgiveness. I'm saying that it's a good thing here in the Sermon on the Day of Pentecost, Peter spoke of forgiveness because we all need, everybody here this morning needs to understand what forgiveness is. Firstly, forgiveness is not a feeling. There's nothing about Feelings of forgiveness in the Bible any more than apologize is in the Bible. So how can we approach forgiveness? Well, there's a great key that will open the door of forgiveness in Ephesians 4.32. Forgive one another just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32. In other words, here's a template of forgiveness that God has created, a standard, an example, by the study of which we can understand it and learn how to forgive. Listen now. When God forgives our sins, he does not simply sit in heaven and emote He's not a God who feels better when he forgives. Jehovah is a God without passions and without parts. So forgiveness isn't a feeling. If it were, how would we know that God had such feelings when he forgives? What do do we know? What would we know about a change of feelings in The God of heaven. Absolutely nothing. We can't pull aside the curtain and have a look and say, ah, well, now he's smiling at us today. 
Um, and so um, he's forgiven us, and uh, he feels better. Now, when God forgives, what does he do? What procedures does God adopt? Well, firstly, he sends his spirit into the minds of prophets and apostles to tell us about his character, his hatred of sin. The God of the Bible is not holy. The God of the Bible is holy, holy, holy. And that holy God, the thrice holy God, has shown his mercy in sending his Son to become the Lamb of God who died for our sins. There's the Lamb of God. John says a couple of times to his disciples. And then God speaks further, and he tells the world, no, it needs to repent and be baptized into the forgiven people of God. He promises them he will no longer hold our sins against us if we repent, if we put all our hopes in Jesus Christ. This is the divine procedure. God causes Prophets and apostles to write down in black and white that through Jesus Christ our scarlet sins can be made whiter than snow. And that as far as the east is from the west, so far God will remove the guilt of those repenting of their sins. Then they are forgiven, all forgiven. He says to every one of them. He writes it down in scripture. And then he gives gifts to men like me and a million other preachers. Who proclaim forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. All the time God is sending these preachers into the world. And that's the great message. That you don't have to go through life burdened with an ever increasing burden of sin. And trying to escape from it by Drinking and by non-stop entertainment and music and relationships and so on. He writes it down in scripture. If forgiveness was simply a feeling of God in heaven, we'd never know about it. The angels, the angels could see God rejoicing. But we'd never know. Because there's a veil that hides God from us. But God has spoken, God has revealed himself to us. In the word of God. God says very clearly. If you confess your sins. I am faithful and just. To forgive you your sins. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God has gone on record. To make that promise in his word. In that case I was quoting. The apostle John. So forgiveness is not just a feeling. God has made a covenant promise and he has sent his Holy Spirit to inspire uh, writers in the Old and the New Testament to lead them into all truth and they've written it down. They've told us who is a pardoning God like you who pardons our iniquities. Secondly, forgiveness is a promise. God, our creator, who spoke the universe, the whole cosmos into being, makes promises. That same God, and so they are 
great promises. They are precious promises. We have the Bible. And the Bible is the word of God. Thy word is truth. We have this intrusion that's come into our world from another world. And when our God forgave Jerusalem sinners for murdering his son by crucifying him, he didn't stop with a sign of a rushing mighty wind. Because that calmed. He didn't stop with flaming tongues uh, resting on the heads of the apostles because they flickered out. He didn't stop by uh, speaking uh, in foreign languages to the people that were gathered there. Because uh, when Peter got up to preach, he preached in the lingua franca, the language that they all knew. God made his mercy very plain by the words that Peter spoke. He helped him. And he declared the word to all the people that were gathered there. And the word came in power and the Holy Ghost and with much assurance to the people. That's always the way God works. And then in a few years' time, God helped Luke. He inspired Luke to summarize and write down the sermon of Peter and to Bring this phrase in. Forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus Christ. Because he knew there'd be a congregation in Aberystwyth in 2,000 years time. And they would need to hear what he had helped Peter to preach all those years ago. So here's the good news. God tells every generation that he is prepared to remember Our sins against him no more. Now that's that's the good news that's spelled out in the word of God. Follow me now. I'm quoting to you Jeremiah 31, 34. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Here are two of the great I will promises of scripture. I will forgive. I will remember their sins no more. And and when that's said twice, anyone here dare, dare to think, not me, not my sins. They're too great. They're too deep dyed. I'm too ashamed of them even to tell God about them. Your sins. Yours. The sins of the very worst person in all the world. They've been forgiven when that one looked to Jesus Christ and was saved. You say, I don't understand. How can the God of the Bible, who knows everything about me and everything about everyone, things past and things present and things future, so clearly, how can he this very moment forget Anything. How can he forget our sins? Well, he doesn't. Yes, the inspired word says, he won't remember our sins. But that is not the same thing as forgetting our sins. Of course, God is omniscient. And God forgets nothing at all. But God can choose not to remember 
any incident. Don't remember it. Any action, any pain, any hypocrisy, any hurt we've given to those we love, I choose to blot that out of my mind, Jehovah says. Now, forgetting is passive, isn't it? And that's something that happens to us. And as we get older, and memory cells are not as sticky as they used to be. But not remembering is active. It's a promise that one makes to another. I have chosen not to remember your sins against you. You're lying down in bed then, pillow talk, husband and wife, they're talking about the day, and they feel close to one another, and then uh, he starts to say to her, you know, I'm so sorry for what I did when, and she cuts him short. She says, I don't remember it. It's all gone. It's water under the bridge. It can't flow under the bridge again. It's all passed away. And then, yeah, he's silly. And he won't, yeah, no, but I do want to say I'm sorry, she says. No, she says, I don't remember it. It's never, never, never mentioned again. It's as if it never occurred. It doesn't control or modify their relationship at all. It's all disappeared from the scene. It's never brought up, even if there are tensions and frictions and she's been hurt. She won't bring it up. She does not remember it. It's buried. It's described as having been cast into the bottomless pit. And every day it's falling. Faster and faster, further and further, deeper and deeper. Impossibly distant, unreachable. How distant is your sin from you? Well, if you can tell me how far the east is from the west, that's how far your sin is from you. Immeasurably far unattainable you can never know and that is as far as a forgiven sinner's sins and their guilt are from almighty God God says he'll never take hold of them he'll never bring them up he'll never array them before you and wag his finger at you and show them to you in technicolor and wrap around Dolby sound and cry to you, look, miserable sinner, look at what you've done. Satan will do that. God never. And we will foolishly allow our own minds to wander back and think of our sins. God does so never. They're all forgiven. They're all unremembered sins. Even when we act as meanly as a Christian can possibly act. God will not pull aside the curtain. God will not open the window. God will not show us 
how wickedly we behaved and rub our noses in it. God will never do that. There aren't births when God is finally so fed up with us, so frustrated at our constant coldness of heart and unbelief that God says, right, I'll show them what they were. And God will do that. He will remember our sins no more. So forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a promise. Thirdly, forgiveness is a reality and a blessed state the forgiven ones that we enter into by the Lord Jesus Christ. How can God be able to remember our sins no more? How can God, who is just and holy and sin-hating, swear on an oath that he will never, never hold our sins? Even the worst things we did, that we are most full of regret about, that he'll never hold them against us. Well, there is one reason for this, Because he has held the guilt of those very sins against his son. Like limpets, they covered him on Golgotha. And he has condemned his blessed son for those very sins. He has heaped his justice for how we behaved on the Lamb of God. He spared not his son. From what you did. And what you remember. The price was paid by Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God. Taken your sins away. They're gone forever. They're cast into the cosmic incinerator. And they're totally consumed by the majestic rectitude of a sin-hating God. All those sins deserved eternal judgment, unspeakable woe, but they were all laid on the blessed Jesus Christ. Oh, Christ, what burdens bowed your head. Our load was laid on thee. And the consequences of that is that now we are whiter than snow. It's a magnificent, it's an almost incredible concept That no sin at all is held against us. Because once in space and time in this world, breathing this air, held down by the forces of gravity that are holding us down today, the Lord Jesus took our guilt in his own body on the tree and bearing responsibility for them, stored in the naked flame of the holiness of God until all that sin and guilt and shame and blame was consumed to exist no more. He has put away our sin. He remembers mercy. He looks at Jesus. He remembers... Do you know that prayer that you often hear old Christians pray? We're asking God to revive his work and we say, in wrath, remember mercy. We're saying, well, he has his son, his elevated, exalted son, the Lamb of God is there at his right hand now, bearing the marks of an achieved reconciliation. He looks on him and he pardons us. He looks on him. The incarnation of mercy for repentant sinners is there at the right hand of God. And we are forgiven. 
because of what Jesus Christ has done. There is no guilt whatsoever. There's no condemnation whatsoever. When I stand before God, there will be a smile on the face of the Holy, Holy, Holy One. It's all forgiven. It's all been removed from me, dealt with. Just There's absolutely nothing left. Do you know what happened in the death of Jesus Christ on Calvary is all that matters. Nothing else is relevant. Your forgiveness by God has all been accomplished by what the Savior did. The way you feel, the way you are this morning, the way you feel a bit cold, and the way you've struggled to come along here and your reluctance, it is utterly irrelevant. The one thing relevant is what the Son of God did upon the cross. He made a good and decent and proper job of the work that his Father gave him to do. He didn't do half a job on Calvary. didn't do 90% and then said, Okay, sinner, you do the rest. Because if he did, I'm a lost man. He took the blame and the guilt of all he suffered for on the cross. And they are pardoned. That's the result of it. They are completely forgiven. God would as soon condemn his son again as he would condemn us who trust in him. You and your sin can be separated. That's the message of forgiveness. Sin can be removed from the sinner. That's the message. Through Jesus Christ, there's nothing left undone for you to get your sins forgiven. It's all in Jesus' name. You are not forgiven by God enabling you to do something. You are not forgiven by God inspiring you to make a choice. You are not forgiven through God encouraging you to repent. You are not forgiven through God challenging you now to really boldly witness to him in the week to come. You are not forgiven through God exhorting you to repent and be baptized. Because if your standing before God today depends on any of those things, you are done for. You are a lost person. You have no hope. You are going to hell. But Jesus came and he did something all by himself. And I want you to see what God the Son achieved in his cross work to obtain your forgiveness. And I want you to be absolutely satisfied with that. Let your conscience be satisfied with it. Let your intellect be satisfied with it. Let your feelings be satisfied with that. Let your past Be satisfied with that. If God is satisfied and can forgive you all your sins through Jesus Christ, his Son, then you can be satisfied with that too. Never set your sins above the forgiveness which comes from God through Jesus Christ. Fourthly, forgiveness is received only by repenting and trusting in Jesus Christ. How do I get it? And I want it. You tell me that there's this forgiveness. Forgiveness for a wretch like me. You tell me I can be forgiven. 
How can I be forgiven? How can God forgive me? What's the way? What is the means this wonderful blessing comes to me? What price must I pay to possess it? What must I spend? So many think there's something they have to do now in order to be forgiven. How many Hail Marys must I say to be forgiven? How many Lord's prayers must I repeat? How many services must I attend? God the Father did so much. The Lord Jesus Christ did so much to obtain our forgiveness. And our hearts and our minds say, well, are, are we expected to match that? Am I required to do something commensurate so that my input matches what the Father has done and what the Son has done? What price must I pay? What burden must I bear? What mountain must I climb? What self-mortification must I endure? How long must be my fasting? A month, a year? What rituals must I go through? What services must I attend? How many prayers must I pray? How many confessionals must I attend? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That is negatively change your mind. Give up. Come on. Give up your unbelief. Give up these specious arguments that you have. It's boring and uh, it's narrowing and uh, science today doesn't allow you to... And so on and so on. Turn your back on your lukewarmness, your ignorance, your selfishness. Turn your back, repent. And positively then, you must trust. You must trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must ask God for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, through what Jesus Christ has done. Whoever repents and believes will be forgiven. You know, it's so absurd. It's so disproportionate. It's so asymmetrical, isn't it? God gives his son to Golgotha's agony and anathema does not spare him. What magnanimity in God to forgive sins. That's his input and mine. It's I repent and I turn from my sins and I trust in him. My faith. Mine. My little faith. My flawed faith. My inconsistent faith. My weak faith. You say, you mean that's all? God gave his son and I give nothing but my repentance and my faith. That's what God says. Written in his word. Forgiveness is without money and without price. All the fitness he requires is for you to see your need of him. You know, the trouble with you sinners is that uh, you want to go to God and you want to obtain forgiveness on your terms. You, you, you want to go as self-made men and women. You want to go with your heads held high. God says, you just take it. 
It's a gift. My gift. And I'm offering it to you. You don't buy forgiveness. You receive it as a gift from a loving God. There's no price at all. We are too much inclined to think that there's some great achievement that's needed to match the extraordinary height and depth and breadth and length of the love of God in giving his Son for our sins. God is saying, please now take my gift of forgiveness. It's without money, it's without price, it's absolutely free. It's been bought for you by a price that was paid a long time ago on a green hill far away by the Lord Jesus. And when God comes with a gift, all you can do is receive it or reject it. What sort of person do you need to be to be forgiven? Well, you need to be a sinner. That's all. My great problem in Aberystwyth, 50 years, how few sinners I found in Aberystwyth. Sin is easily committed. It is not easily confessed. People I meet say, yes, well, we're all sinners. The sin is self-judgment. The sin is feeble excuse. The beginning and the middle and the end of every sinner is pride. That's what stops him saying, I'm a sinner. We want to earn our forgiveness. We want to qualify for it. We want to deserve it in some way or the other. And I just say one thing about that. What kind of person do you need to be today? To receive the forgiveness of your sins. And I say, just as I am. I come to God in the name of Jesus. I don't pollute my lips by confessing my sins to a man. Oh, how sweet it is to confess your sins. To a sin-forgiving God. A sin-forgiving God. You confess your sins in shame. Yes, but don't be ashamed that you have confessed your sins. Go to him just as you are and plead nothing but the fact that he's invited you. Come now. Come now, let's reason together. Come now, your sins, though they're scarlet, can be whiter than snow. That's what he says. Telling him how grieved you are for what you've done. Wanting to get rid uh, from your soul of one dark blot. To him whose blood can cleanse each spot you come to him. I say, if you can make yourself lily white, I've got nothing to say to you. You don't need my Savior. If you can make yourself whiter than snow, when you come, you come as poor and wretched and blind for sight and riches and healing of the mind and more than all, 
you come, you come to him. O Lamb of God, I come. You've been thinking you can't come to so august and majestic and omnipotent and almighty and thrice holy a God as him. Because you are poor, yes. And you're a sinner, yes. But the gospel says that all you need, you can just find in one place and you have to come. You've got to come to this one place, to this one way, this one truth, this one life. This one Lord, this one name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. You, you've got to come. Sinner, you've got to come. There's no other way. You've got to come and confess your sin and tell him how grieved you are that you, your sins nailed him to the tree. I'm asking you today as heaven watches us and Jesus himself is, is in our midst. We've got our Lord with us again. And the angels peer down. What are they hearing your inward voice saying now? I'm coming, Lord, to you. I'm coming because you offer sinners who repent and trust in God the forgiveness of their sins. Well, I know this, that it's appointed unto men once to die, and after death the judgment. I know that. The Bible tells me God has written that. The Holy Spirit has uh, inscripturated that in his word. So, before me, uh, then, in this moral universe in which we live, there is an encounter with the God who gave the morality. And he will ask you if you are a sinner. He may ask you whether anyone told you that you were a sinner. And did anyone tell you that his son was the saviour of the world? And you will then say, yes, I was told. Did that preacher tell you that forgiveness for your sins comes through Jesus Christ, the Son of God? If you repent, if you trust in him, forgiveness. Did, did the preacher make it clear to you? And did he then ask you, you, you come to God. You come this morning, you come as you are, you come. Did he invite you? Did he beseech you? Did he plead with you? Have your sins forgiven. Have them forgiven today by coming as you are to Jesus Christ. And asking him for mercy and cleansing and washing. Did he? And what will you say? Yes. You'll say, yes. I heard the preacher. I heard the message. God will say, did you heed the message? Did, did you come? Did you keep crying to him? Until you knew in your heart of hearts he'd heard you. And you had an inward witness of the Spirit of God. That your sins, not in part, but the whole, were laid on the cross and remembered no more. Did you, did you have that inward witness? Did you? Let's come to God today. Then. Let's come. All of us come to God today.
and say to him, Forgive me my trespasses, as I forgive those that trespass against me. And that the mark of a forgiven sinner is that he forgives. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let's pray together. Lord God, we bow before thee and bless thee that thou art a pardoning God, that thou canst separate a sinner from his sin and all and only through thy blessed Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his blood that washes and cleanses. Thank you for his sacrifice that's obtained a pardon. Thank you for his abundant mercy even to the chief of sinners. Thank you that God sent his son to be the savior of the world and our savior, my savior, my savior, mine, all mine, my forgiveness for my sins. O Lord, do bless thy word and grant some saving knowledge and conviction and transformation from guilt to pardon in many, many a life today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.